If you're studying for an InfoSec certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the Wanna Practice app. Thousands of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, each aligned with the official exam outline in a fully interactive format. Study by domain or take a simulated full practice exam. All functionality and content is available from any device with a browser or use our new Android app in the Play Store. So if you want to prepare for the CISSP, SSCP, CCSP, CISM, or CISA exam, go to wannapractice.com. Wanna practice. Success and certification is in your hands. Welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And gentlemen, do you know what happens when a physical security control bites you? You get lock bit. It's a little <laughs> bit like snake bit, but uh, we're going to talk about that today. I just want to open um, before we get to that with um, another interesting security related uh, current event that's been making the rounds. Um, are either of you familiar with uh, Deputy Jesse Hernandez from Florida? No, but. Being from Florida, I can only imagine what this where this story is going to go. Yeah, it's sort of like Florida man, but with a badge and a gun. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Deputy Hernandez and his partner um, uh, re responded to a call about a vehicle driving around honking its horn since 3 a.m. And they responded at about quarter to nine in the morning. And um, while they were responding to that, there was a second call that, they that the deputies received that a 22-year-old man had stolen a woman's car and had been calling and texting her threats and maybe armed. And uh, when they responded to both calls, um, they did find uh, the person who had been driving around honking and uh for some reason they took him into custody handcuffed him put him in the back of their squad car in responding to the second call uh they went to the ostensible victim's home uh, she explained to them that not only was the boyfriend sending the threatening messages but she had belief that the boyfriend had a firearm and that that firearm had a silencer on it when the deputies received an update that uh, uh, someone matching the boyfriend's description was seen in the area, they went to respond to that area. When they got out of the car to look around, um, Deputy Hernandez heard something. And Deputy Hernandez evidently took it to be muffled gunfire, like that which would come from a silencer. Deputy Hernandez did what anyone would do oh, in no. such a situation. Oh, no. <laughs> Deputy Hernandez drew his service pistol, yelled, I'm under fire, and unloaded his weapon into the car where <laughs> oh, no. the handcuffed suspect was sitting. Oh. His partner not realizing that there had been a threat, but taking her partner's word for it, also withdrew her service pistol and fired into or at the car. Now, here's the really good news. The handcuffed suspect ducked below the door or the window line of the vehicle in the back seat and was not harmed even though 34 rounds from two deputies' pistols flew through the air toward him. Wow. <clears throat> Turns out what Deputy Hernandez heard was an acorn falling onto the roof of the patrol vehicle and making that distinct ping sound. <laughs> oh, my. 
there's there's a lot to unpack there. I thought the, the the direction this was going to go was that the handcuffed suspect was the boyfriend who was making the threats and did in fact have have a weapon on him. But and, uh, and, and this was there was part of the claim there by Deputy Hernandez was you know maybe the suspect had a um, an accomplice nearby or maybe the suspect still had a firearm on him somehow in the vehicle, which is crazy because their chest cam footage shows they frisked him twice. Um, he was handcuffed. You know, there's, there's very little reason to believe there'd be a weapon in the back of that squad car. Um, <laughs> an internal investigation found Deputy Hernandez to be a dumbass. And Deputy, <laughs> Deputy Hernandez uh, resigned uh, three weeks after the incident. Um, now, I think if I... If I'm not incorrect, I think he may be charged. Uh, he, he, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I got to follow up on that one. Um, but he may be charged for wanton endangerment. Um, the, well, yeah, did, 34 oh, rounds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many rounds do, do these pistols hold? 17. 17. Oh, so okay. 34, was... round, 34 rounds, right? Okay. Okay. I thought it was only like 11 or something like that, but I didn't realize that they, are these mine? I mean, it's. I would imagine these are the Beretta M9 that, that yeah. was the sidearm in the Air Force okay. when, when okay. I was in. I mean, so, yeah, there's usually 17 in the mag, one in the chamber. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, now here's the, here's the really cool thing, I got to say. Uh, his partner, um, De uh, Deputy Beth Roberts, was not implicated, was cleared of all charges because she was responding to his instigation, which yeah. as a partner is what you should do. You should be able to trust and find reliable the reports of your fellow officer. Um, the fact that he was an idiot did not impact her. I mean, that's that. <laughs> and I kind of like that. Well, good. Yeah. 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 That's true. Because... But of course, if he already shot a complete magazine into the car, I don't know why she would start shooting. And, and I don't know. Apparently, they had to reload as well or how much did no, you no, say no 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 they just both shot they their started. complete magazines into the car <laughs> jeez i don't know <laughs> and well i don't know if that's a testament to how poor their their gun safety training was or how resilient the car was <laughs> with how, <laughs> how they were not able to actually penetrate and and find purchase on the the human inside that is true yeah oh, i gosh. i just I'm just so glad that that suspect wasn't hit at all. Now, yeah. it does show a couple of things, though. Um, one, if you're going to fire at something, you got to know what you're firing at. Yeah. yeah. You know, just unloading in the direction of where you think a threat may be coming from is not at all effective anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It... Not to make a weird connection, but it kind of goes back to our uh, uh, incident response episode we released recently, uh, where you, you got to know what you're going up against whenever you're responding to something. And if you're going to respond with deadly force, I realize that you got to make split second decisions, and I don't want to second guess an armchair quarterback, a cop, but <laughs> gosh, it seems like there could have been a little bit more. Uh, responsibility uh, on the the police officers' fall, uh, by, uh, side to uh, determine what was actually happening before they started unloading. Exactly. I mean, again, a gun is very useful in a gunfight. Yeah. It's not very useful against ambiguous threats with no knowledge of a direction of where that threat is coming from. You know, you don't just spend ten thousand dollars on a firewall and set it up and go, "Aha! I'm I'm safe now." Yeah. You know, if if your threat is um, internal users acting uh, maliciously, well, the firewall ain't going to help you all that much, Sparky. You know, <laughs> not to mention if they're if they were truly under fire, they've just expended yeah. all their all their rounds, and they now have nothing to fight back with if there were truly a threat <laughs> that they had missed thirty four times, or at least there's a pause <laughs> while they have to reload. Right? Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, uh, I thought that was that was worth highlighting. Uh, again, 
I, you know, I, I have, like you said, Matt, I have a lot of respect for people who do that job. I would not want to do it. Um, and, and for what they face, especially in America, especially in Florida. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's useful to highlight, uh, the fuck ups, uh, yeah. as well as acknowledge the accomplishments. So I, I think both are good to, to mention. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah. now, you gentlemen, you both had some uh, very interesting topics you wanted to bring to the table this week. Um, Matt, let's let's start with yours, because it also deals with uh, law enforcement activity. Um, sure. Yeah. And this will be a little bit out of date by the time this episode drops. But uh, there's been um, a lot of headlines this morning. I woke up, uh, went through all my headlines that of news. And the, the big one today is uh, police arrest Lockbit ransomware members released decryptor and global crackdown. So apparently the FBI, the United States uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation, along with some other uh, law enforcement agencies from across the world, went after a ransomware gang. Uh, called Lockbit, and I've never heard of Lockbit, don't know much about them, but apparently they are a RAAS group, Ransomware as a Service, so other third parties can basically pay them to to do their ransomware, and then they take a VIG or they take a, a cut of whatever the uh, uh, the money is that, that's gained. So, this, so Rock, uh, Lockbit got, um, they arrested two, I guess the two main people who run it, uh, in Poland and Ukraine, um, and were then subsequently able to shut down all of their services, and importantly, uh, were able to release a decryptor tool for anyone who has been um, uh, attacked or breached by this group uh, to be able to decrypt all of their uh, encrypted documents and, and files and stuff like that. So uh, a couple of big things. Number one, uh, it's always good for when the good guys get a win. Um, even though it is the FBI and they extort more than I think Lockbit ever could <laughs> themselves. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Actually, I, I'm just joking. FBI, don't come after me. I love you. Yeah, guys. right. You know, this show is not important <laughs> enough for you to attack. Um, but uh, so, I mean, it's, it's always good when, when we, we get a win like this. Um, even though you know Lockbit goes down and three others will will pop up in their place, I'm sure because you can't always get everybody, and the technology continues regardless of who actually owns it and does it. But the other thing is just how much hay that they're making out of this. Um, it's interesting how how many headlines uh, from from all of my new, news aggregators were actually talking about this. It's rare that something like this is is that big, and so it made me wonder what's the what's behind the scenes here what's the push to get this out there is it from the fbi and they're, and they're looking to just uh, uh capitalize on 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 a major uh, operation or is there is there some other reason that this is all all being uh, publicized so much so didn't know about your all's thoughts about any of it no those are all good interesting points i had not heard of lockbit either i don't know I, I'm, I'm hoping in the, the coming days we'll see which attacks that they were responsible for historically so that we have some frame of reference to how much effect this uh, uh, law enforcement action will actually have. Um, I'm also, there's a couple other things. One, I, I, while I like the idea that there is a decryptor tool, I, I'm... I'm kind of hesitant about law enforcement publishing that thing because you, I see law enforcement as uh, someone violates a law, commits a crime, they arrest them, they take them to trial. I, I like the public service idea of publishing a decryptor tool, but I don't really see that as being in the purview of law enforcement. That's, you know, that's sort of like a social service that's kind of outside the, the scope of what cops should be doing. I'm also kind of hesitant. Who created the decryptor tool? Did they get it from Lockbit when they committed the raid, or had they created this decryptor tool? Either way, would victims or potential victims, such as security researchers, face liability if they download and use this thing, and then it's got something else inside it, like, say, another back door or something like that? Um, so I'd be really hesitant. And again, I, I, it's another reason why I don't think law enforcement should be in the profession of being a social service. If they wanted to do that, if they could have handed the tool over to researchers, you know, or universities or whoever, and said, here, we found this. If you want to do something with it, here it is. 
that I think would have been a little different than just uh, making it public. But uh, you know, that may be my own internal bias. And then finally, while I don't support criminals, I have to admit, I feel a little bit a tinge of sympathy for the Ukrainian guy. I mean, he's already living in the Ukraine, which is, you know, one whole, you know, minus for him. You know, then there's the whole war thing going on. He finally gets his small business set up and running. <laughs> And the feds come crashing in and, and shut the whole thing. 2024 is not shaping up well for that poor bastard. Now, <laughs> again, he's a criminal. I'm being facetious and they should, you know, face He's just a small businessman offering a service to, to other companies. He's helping people <laughs> encrypt their material. Yeah. Uh -huh. Exactly. It's keeping them safe um, yeah. and uh, so that it cannot be changed. Absolutely. I, I understand. I always lock my Excel sheets when I'm in them so that I don't per accident and change anything of course i can <laughs> unlock it at every uh, at any time but who knows <laughs> um what as far as i understood the article they found the decryption key so i can imagine that the decryption tool is not like in the past where they actually found a flaw in the it's in just the, the private key for that algorithm then it's a thousand decryption keys exactly yeah. so they are probably doing something like a brute force attack against your particular or maybe they found the like the or the they found a thousand key. private keys for a thousand different attacks and they're doling them out to the victims exactly but if i would do something like that if i don't know which matches to which a, a thousand keys that's not that hard to just like it runs yeah. it, it has to run to decrypt it afterwards anyway so <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, I was going to add that because um, it, uh, having been on the other side of a ransomware attack uh, and being called in to help with the decryption process, yeah, I can tell you, Ben, the, the, the encryption slash decryption is, is very straightforward. There, there, there's nothing special about the encryption or the decryption. It's just the keys. And so, yeah, when they do these types of things, they usually release the database of here's the identifier that the, the victim knows about, and here's the associated decryption key that you, you can feed into any of a number of decryption tools. Uh, lots of security researchers. That's release. great. See, it's, so all it is is you're running asymmetric encryption, you know, to back out of it. You're to yeah. decrypt. I just right. don't like the, uh, okay, the expression decryptor makes it sound like it's something else, like it's some yeah. kind of tool that does something. And if they would have released some installer thing, I am so, I so agree. I'm not sure if I would install on a primer machine. So if you're in that situation and if you, when this comes out way later, are still in a situation where you want to decrypt it, I would recommend um, looking into a bootable Linux distro from an USB, install it on there. Or a VM. Or v yeah, but you need access to the hard drive anyway. So you need to mount it then, whatever. You figure it out, but yes, something that you can destroy afterwards. I so agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As living in a country where they talked about openly about Trojans from the government, I'm like, I don't, I don't want that anywhere near me. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, the Germans have one, yeah, and Austria thought about it as well. <laughs> That's public to knowledge. End? To what end? I nobody. I think we don't. I don't know. I uh, have not looked into it. Wow. <laughs> We, wow. we can do an episode. I can research this. If, I would if love, the listeners yeah, are interested, let us yeah. know. And I can do uh, an extended research. I know in my of course, <laughs> in my surrounding, people are very aware Three guesses. of that. Three guesses even before you do your research. One, for the deity. Two, <laughs> to combat terrorism. Three, an anti-crime measure of some kind. But I'll just, I'll, I'm interested yeah. to hear that story. Of course. Right, let's come, of course. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, if the listeners want to know, let us know that uh, you are interested in that. And then we might screw the listeners. Again. I'm interested. Do the research. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well done. All right. Well, that's cool. Thank you, Matt, for bringing that to my attention. I had seen some mention of that in uh, the InfoSec Twitter space already. Mm -hmm. uh, it's getting a lot of buzz. And like you said, this may be just a huge PR propaganda effort for the FBI. They got to post a win because they've been, they've been getting some pretty bad press for the past few months. Uh, so, so maybe that's, that's the thing as well. Um, it's it, yeah. interesting to see that they had some cooperation with Poland and the Ukraine. Uh, I don't know if, um, what, what do they call it? Europol, if they were involved at all, I don't yeah, know. Europol and Interpol. Yeah, yeah. yeah both. Yeah, and they have not 
uh, as of this recording, released any of how they actually track these guys down. And and but but I know a lot of this stuff is, is typically dark net, dark web type stuff where um, they have to reveal the the actual true IP addresses and locations of these servers through. Uh, layering uh, technologies that try to obscure the money's got to go somewhere but yeah 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 that's the thing it, it's always the hardest part of the kidnapping is collecting the ransom right yeah yeah at some point yeah money actually has to go somewhere and if it's a a, a cryptocurrency you know uh, even though a lot of them try to obscure where they are nowadays bitcoin is is obviously proven to be very traceable but there are other ones out there rafti knows a lot more about them than i do but uh, yeah there, there are other ones that, that attempt to be more untraceable but there are still techniques to 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 kind of pierce that veil. Yeah, and follow yeah. the money. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's yeah. that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Of course, um, as far as I don't know if they said they actually seized the funds within the wallets. They I just heard that they um, got the keys. Uh, two hundred. They found two hundred wallets. Um, of course, for anybody who's involved with crypto, those are not like finding the wallet means you found the private key. And if somebody else had that, they have the, still access to the wallet and they could have moved the money. Of course, they are now one step behind them. So that's not far. So they can still follow the money, <laughs> keep yeah. following it. Who knows? Um, yeah, but... Excellent. Yeah, that's, Excellent. that's the good thing about blockchain is there's there's always that pesky ledger that shows it's a ledger it that's the whole point of it and that's one of the beautiful things of it i mean you know people talk about its anonymity anonymity in terms of identity not yeah. anonymity in terms of currency you know cash right. is still preferable in that regard right right and even cash has a serial number um <laughs> yep. but it's not right. recorded at every transaction not yet. Yeah, yet. <laughs> oh gosh! As don't far stop. as we don't know, give them yeah. back. As that's of course true, but please don't give them any ideas. <laughs> oh, but if I can think of it, you know they have. Um, all right, Rafi, you had another thing, uh, some topic you wanted to present, or you have presented. Exactly. Yeah, I was. I was um, last week. I was on a conference about IT security, um, and I was. I don't know, goaded into. Um, my co-founder said, I am currently on my home lab server looking very much into pass keys and into security keys and all that. And I guess everybody has heard of those Yubi keys. And I don't know if we actually had an episode on that in the past before. You've mentioned them in the past several times. Now, what is this? This is a physical token that carries some sort of keying mechanism. So instead exactly. of having to remember a passcode in your head, you plug like a USB into your device and it says, this is my key, here I am, I am me. Exactly, exactly okay. that. It is. It has some sort of TPM in there um, where it can be stored safely and securely and not accessed. Even I, I, we looked into physical extraction methods and they are designed to be very secure. And they're more similar to SIM cards in regards to that they self, that they lock themselves up if you try to brute force in. So you have a certain amount of attempts to um, guess the, the pin for the key itself. But it's the pin is alphanumeric and 64 digits in most cases. So um, having three attempts is very little <laughs> to okay, try but, to get in there. But let me ask you this, though. Yeah. Uh, the downside to these things, if you lose the physical unit or like what happened to my remote start key fob for my vehicle that someone in my house that wasn't me let go through the laundry washing machine <laughs> if it gets destroyed somehow now you're out of a functionality or an access aren't you is there some sort of workaround for that and then if there is doesn't that workaround become a vulnerability exactly so the reason why we're talking about this now is because um uh, the idea behind all those physical tokens is fairly old. And as I said, like YubiKeys have been around for ages. Um, I have mine for over two years now um, and I've used it, but um, they're sort of gaining traction at the moment because um, the FIDO2 standards and WebAuthN um, in combination with something that people now call pass keys has made exactly that trade off what you're saying, having it being in software and able to stay on multiple devices at the same time. 
Um, Apple, for instance, has um, a huge stake in that because they have been installing TPMs in their machines for years now. So Apple makes this very easy. You have a TPM, uh, the secure enclave on your iPhone and on your let's, Mac. Let's you just refresh, refresh our listeners. TPM is Trusted Platform Module, which That's is a, an international standard for what's known as a crypto processor, basically a chip that is designed for doing cryptographic functions. So it's inside, usually on your on your motherboard, and it's a core piece of the internal workings of a device so that uh, it performs a few things. One, it can generate and store and process cryptographic keys, and it also verifies with the other foundational components on that device that each of them are the original and trusted units and something hasn't been swapped out. So someone can't come in and just take the hard drive off your device and put in their own hard drive. They can't come in and put a CPU on your device or something like that. They can't violate the integrity of the physical working. Is that I sound good? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely, right, absolutely. Right, but um, and you you mentioned it, and last time when we talked about it, we did not talk about the storage capacity of those things a lot, and for good reason, they don't have a lot of storage. And typically, up until now, and I found that out now uh, as well, my Yubi keys, and that's the reason why I give this talk as well, is to give uh, bring awareness to alternatives out there. Google released their new Titan model, for instance, this year as well. Um, my YubiKey can only hold 25 pass keys, so very limited, not good for being a password manager. But the Google Titan now, with those pass keys in mind, where they have to store so 25 pass keys, 25 private and public key pairs on the TPM itself, uh, the Google Titan can store 256 pass keys up to. Um, it varies a bit depending on key length and uh, the username typically stored with the pass key as well. So the sign-up process is a little bit different. Also, it's not just a second factor, but it's more like an actual password manager. So how it looks like is you plug it in, you go to the website, say sign in with pass key. It prompts you for, um, that you touch the pass key you want to use or the, the the physical key you want to use you touch it then it asks you for the pin as i said so that's the same pin for that physical key for all the pass keys it's the same and then you touch the thing again so it verifies that you're actually there and it verifies that you know the passphrase and then that's it, it automatically locks you in there's no question about who are you anymore there's no question about okay, another okay. password and there's okay, no second so factor. so it's both it's both the identity assertion and the authenticating element you know exactly. it serves the same purpose as the user id and the password um now i have to ask though you're talking about these limited form factors you're talking about 25 or 256 this isn't something that yet uh, anyone would be saying use it like a password manager for all of your different online accounts, your social media. Instead, you'd want to limit it to those things that are most important or most valuable. That's kind of what I'm getting from you here. I, I agree in some regards. I mean, um, as I said, um, there are unless you're carrying around a half dozen fucking Yubi keys. How many logins do you have? More than 256 <laughs> logins that you actually care about. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? That's just scratching the surface. I'm so much older than you, Rafti. Do you have any idea how many accounts I have across the, the multiverse? I mean, it's just insane. Okay. And, well, and as, and as someone who is an admin for multiple clients with multiple cloud tenants, I couldn't probably tell you mine is in the thousands. Yeah. In the thousands. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. it, it is going to change and it is going to increase. But uh, for a regular person, like my <laughs> wife, like my mom, um, this is so useful. <laughs> and for me, my use case now is when I'm at my mom's during holiday season and I want to just fix something at her computer, I don't have to send myself where some weird mechanism, my passwords or okay, anything. Okay, all right, but, I can but plug in still, the pass key and just- Let me ask the question again. What about yeah. the, the, the physical ramifications, the, the threat of loss or destruction of the unit itself? What, what do you yeah. do in that, in that event? 
And in that in that event, of course, you need to do a key rotation. I had somebody on the conference who told me he washed his by accident his Yubi key, and it was still good afterwards. He does not recommend it, but it was still good afterwards. Um, but yes, you should follow the rule of two. Um, three is two, two is one, and one is none. You should have at least three uh, keys inside any account. And if you um, lose one, you need to do a key rotation, order a new one, kick the old one out and add the new one in. Um, and of course, for that process, you need access to another key. So and that, and that, means, and that means then that you have at least four physical units. That is the three for the redundancy and the one, which is the master to rotate a new one and get rid of an old one. And those, the one you're carrying with you and the three you have locked somewhere in a physically controlled space, right? Some kind of storage unit or something like that. Um, Preferably yeah. at least one separate from the others, but yes. Yeah. No, and it's yeah. a lot of work, absolutely. It is a lot of work, but um, the, the pros are, um, if we just look at the alternatives, passwords are guessable fishable they can be stolen on the client stolen in transit and theoretically stolen on the server if they're not secured there correctly 2fa is not guessable but it's fishable and it can be stolen on the client and stolen on the server because it needs to be um 2fa and it's QTP. a privacy invasion and a liability that we talked about with the white castle thing in illinois right i mean TOT, two factor TOTP no, uh, biometrics. That's, I'm talking BII. biometrics. Yeah, yeah. but two uh, FA in regards to um, time based based one time passwords, um, they can be fished, they can be stolen on client, and they can be stolen on the server. Uh, and so the security key, yes, it comes with this physical limitation. But then the pass key, and this is sort of like where we ended, and why the adoption is increasing, makes all of this easier because because path keys are. Um, electronically stored. They're typically not just stored in TPM. So with iOS devices, they're also stored in your iCloud. They, of course, should be encrypted in the iCloud, but they're they are stored on somebody else's computer. Um, so they can be stolen maybe uh, somewhere else um, because they're software, but you have access to them through your password manager um anywhere and they're not fishable and they're not guessable and they're not they can't be stolen in transit which you know, makes them still a very cool um innovation in the security sector because for the first time it makes um security easier to implement um like on the user end because you don't have to look is it really https and is it really um amazon with an o and not an a zero instead and stuff you, like you that. You keep saying and... easier and better. I, I keep thinking <laughs> we're expending so much energy on confidentiality. You know, if, if we could get past this and go to transparency and accountability and non-repudiation, <laughs> honestly, if I can prove that only I did that transaction some way other than having these access controls, this would we blow through all this crap so easily. You know, I, I, we're going to get if there. You are, if you are already uh, like one of our listeners or the two of you, of course, but if you are already using a password manager, most of them now support pass keys as well. And because they're cryptographically verifying that the other end has the other key, you can um, instantly switch over your accounts uh, to pass keys. And I, I think because you already have your password and 2FA most of the time in the same place in your password manager anyway, having a pass key in there is more security because it's less fishable. So it's more I would confidentiality. I would recommend everybody to switch over to those. And if you're if you're on the um like uh fringe and if you're not sure if you should move even in your password manager i would still recommend it and maybe if you're already down that that route consider um a physical key just maybe so just as a second one because the one the the software one you don't have to have multiple ones of those um but one phys uh, physical one maybe just for the use case that you need access to one or two uh, important accounts on any device. And I think for that use case, it's beautiful that, um, and even YubiKey with just 25, I think my next cloud is one of my important bits if I want to bootstrap from anywhere in the world. 
That's one of them. If I could, my bank would be interesting as well. Um, they're not uh, available yet, um, but stuff like that, that from anywhere with just my physical, with the key, I can get going again, you know? <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm sure your presentation was very well received. I, I love that you're <laughs> up on all this shit. Uh, is there is there somewhere, is there a link to where people can view a recording of your presentation or? No, it's not. Okay. It's not. It's okay. it's one of those where I explicitly wear the the uh, sleeve where I said I don't want any pictures of me on social media. <laughs> so mine, okay. even okay. if it, the others were recorded, mine is not. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for for bringing that. Um, I'm still not going to switch over. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's supported on Windows Seven anyway. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Ben. I'm so you could not switch over if you wanted to, but for anybody no, on Windows not. 10 and Windows think, 11 or Linux, I don't think uh, <laughs> Windows 7 is TPM compliant, honestly. Mm -hmm. yeah, but that might be the reason I'm, I did not look into that. But Windows Hello does the same thing, synchronizing. But I and I think that's the reason why Windows 11 requires you to have a TPM. Interesting. Um, All right. All right. Well, very good. Um, I, I have one very small question. So. All of these keys, these UB keys and, and things like that, these are all USB yep. based. So you have to have a, a USB port and NFC, you, right? And, and NFC. What, what is NFC? Near field communication. Near field. Okay. Yeah. So your phone like, has see. that. Like an RFID okay. kind of. Okay. Okay. Like an so, RFID. Yeah. Which, okay. which takes us to the next level, Matt. It harkens back to that idiot employee uh, that you had mentioned from one of your customers who's walking around with a chip in his hand that he can <laughs> wave against the door. That, that's really where the Ubisoft key is going to go at some point where, where yeah. you know, you, you, not Ubisoft, sorry. That's the game maker. The YubiKey, um, it's people are going to put the, the YubiKey into their bodies because otherwise you're going to lose it. It's going to yeah. go through the washing machine. Someone's going to take it from you. You know, and people are going to walk around with these damn things carrying their past keys uh, in their body, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I absolutely. But what was your question? You were asking. So, well, USB? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so USB or, or NFC. So, yeah, that's yeah. what I was getting at because, you know, uh, USB is going to go away eventually. Uh, uh, I don't know how, how how soon, but but eventually, uh, I mean, already there are Microsoft Surface devices out there that only have one, or well, many devices besides just that that only have one USB port on them, and it's usually a USB uh, three. It's not the the, the backwards compatible older uh, big square kind. So, so yeah, it, you know, I was wondering. So if someone standardizes on this and they follow your best practices and they have four copies of this and they've got the master and they've got their rotating ones. And then all of a sudden, USB technology goes away uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> are they are they stuck? Are they are not able you know able to to get into any of their stuff anymore? Because they, they Matt, big... there's no there's no tech manufacturer in the world that just randomly updates its shit and changes your <laughs> default arrangement. That never happens, Matt. That could never occur. It could never be that they're not going to make a backwards compatible interface with the one thing that you require. Yeah, right. Well, I'm not sure during my will... lifetime. What are you talking about? <laughs> They will happily sell you a dongle to plug in your UV key. <laughs> Much that, like Apple, Apple sold a, sold me a, a dongle to plug my headphones, my standardized headphones that I have used for twenty some years into my own phone that they took away the headphone jack on. So I'm that sure they'll true. they'll do that kind of stuff. So, okay, yeah, I was just curious because uh, it seems like uh, using the the, uh, the the NFC, the near field communication stuff, it seems like that would be sniffable because I know Bluetooth is already not considered secure. And, and, and sniffable. I'm, I'm sure that that technology will get better and better. Um, but uh, I, gosh, it, it just keeps going back to, we just keep adding layers and layers of security. Ben and I have had this conversation multiple times about how broken that email is because we just keep tacking on layers and layers of security to keep trying to make this old technology, email, pop, SMTP, blah, 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 secure. And it keeps changing and we keep tacking on more and more security. And YubiKeys just seem like we're tacking on more and more and more security. I'm always for more security at the expense of of what though? <laughs> it becomes so Thank much more complex. You. That's what I was just saying about we just keep piling on confidentiality yeah. as if that is security. No, it's one piece of a thing that can tend us towards security, but it's not security in and of itself to the point where we're affecting availability. I love my bank. 
And I love that my bank is very forward thinking in the way they made their web portal and their app. That's great. The fucking thing logs me out of five minutes of inactivity, which means if I open up another window to look at my finances <laughs> while I'm on my bank website, I'm, boom, I'm already logged out. Which, now, logging back in is not all that complicated, but the amount of time I've spent in my lifetime of logging into my bank is appreciable. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where to the point where it outweighs the value of the money in my account which is almost negligible. So <laughs> but see that how how the Fido Alliance is envisioning that is that in the future in the near future and it's already in the Mac world but again you're not on Mac I know. Um that's already a thing that you open your bank and you are being like you get face ID'd it knows that you are you, and then the passkey unlocks the thing where you want to go. If I would activate that, that's a different story because I I like that I have physical access to my things, but that's me being semi-paranoid. Um, but that's how it works on the iPhone. On the iPhone, if I visit and I have a um, passkey on like an electronic one on my iPhone, it just face IDs me quickly. I see the thing on the top, and I'm logged in. That's it. As I visit the website and click on sign in with passkey, it automatically does its thing. So you will have so less what? time. I, I don't understand, but it doesn't it still log you out after five minutes of inactivity? Yeah, but you're already, but the process of logging in, you don't have to do it anything. Just you said just the process look at it. The process is not a pain in the ass. The process takes five seconds. My point okay. is the number of times I spend five seconds throughout the day <laughs> is significant if i do that 20 times a day that's 100 seconds if i do that every day for a week that's 700 seconds at what point does my time outweigh the value of what could be lost you see what i'm saying there's a, i i, there's I a see that it's tax season and you're apparently spending a lot of time in your bank account that's what i'm hearing i'm in my bank every day whether or not it's tax season yeah, but then you don't have to open up another tab and go back and forth all the time. I guess I hope. <laughs> of course I do. What do you think? I just sit on my bank website for the entirety of my. <laughs> Rafi, it's like you're purposely missing the business case here. Uh, <laughs> all right. So yeah. So, so there so, was a third so, thing, Matt. You so, wanted so to you're... talk about an awesome game. Oh, no gosh. Clue. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Gee>. <laughs> yeah. This was your idea, man. You yeah, brought this yeah, up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember now. Gosh, because it was such a throwaway thing. Um, I don't even remember what it was. Oh, yeah. So um, I didn't necessarily intend this to be a topic, which is why I was I was second guessing myself. But, yeah, apparently you can make uh, $300,000 by spending 30 minutes writing some code where you make a virtual pet that you just click on on the PlayStation. Um so a developer, uh, and I don't remember where the developer was from, so somewhere where Euros, or is that a Euro? That's not a Euro. I can't remember yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's, it's pounds, I think. Okay, pounds. pounds. So, so yeah, pounds, British sterling. Uh, game developer earned over 250,000 pounds from making uh, PlayStation games that uh, he spent all of 30 minutes creating and then published on the PlayStation store and sold them for four euros, I guess, $4, something equivalent to, to that. Yeah. Yeah. Three, the, three pounds, 30. So, uh, yeah. So the games were using a, a stock image of an animal, like a, a fluffy animal, like a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a gerbil, something like that, using a stock uh, royalty-free image and you would click on the image to pet it. And one click meant one petting, you know, rubbing your hand over to, to, to show, you know, love and affection towards the, the virtual animal that was on the screen. Animal didn't move. It was a, a static stock image. Um, and after you reached a certain number of pettings of the animal, you would receive a trophy. And after a certain number more, you would receive an achievement. And apparently achievements... I know that uh, on Steam, uh, I guess some people consider achievements to be a big deal. So you would earn achievements uh, from these little $4 games. And people like to chase achievements. The, you know, as Ben has, has said before, the gamification, in this case, the gamification of gaming, uh, turning it into chasing uh, uh, achievements and things that, that you can post on your, your avatar, uh, I guess. 
Uh, all I'd say, the guy spent 30, 30 minutes creating these games and has now made over $300,000 creating these games. And my only comment to Ben and to Rofty in the chat was, we are in the wrong business because <laughs> Rofty's got a whole team of coders. Ben, you've got a team of coders working for the want to practice stuff. There is absolutely no reason we should not all be millionaires living in the Caribbean right now with this type of uh, capability. So the guy's <laughs> name is TJ Gardner. And he made this entire series of games called Stroke the Animal, <laughs> which, which on Steam might be a totally separate thing. But um, the best is the Stroke the Beaver. Yeah. <laughs> they they, they no. led the article with Stroke the Beaver. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're already saying how what it's called, see, they had a pun in there, and Matt was because he said petting, he did not get it. So you stroke it, and the, the title was Stroke of Genius How One Developer Earned Over 250K uh, okay. Pound Sterling. Right. <laughs> well, it, it, he already, he, the, the developer called it shovelware himself. You know, and that's usually a pejorative that, that we would apply to certain. Um, uh, game houses that make terrible knockoffs and, and bright colored covers of game packaging, but the internals are really awful. Um, hmm. and, uh, and he, yeah, Ubisoft, which is kind of why that's where my <laughs> head went when we were talking about YubiKeys. They're kind of known for that, right? Um, they're priced, they're priced very low. It takes a thousand clicks to make the thing happen. Now, the weird thing is, I, I, I'm old enough where I see echoes. Maybe we should do an I'm so old uh, vignette here quickly. <laughs> okay, Rafti, the, the, move your hands for a second. <laughs> Rafti, I'm so old that I remember a time in the 1970s where people were selling pet rocks. It was a rock that just said, this is a pet rock. And eventually there were variations on it. Some people put googly eyes, those little plastic eyes on the pet rock. Some people put hair on the pet rock or little uh, plastic feet on the pet rock. But it was just a rock. And it sold for a very low price, but a lot of people bought them. They paid commercial value for pet Rocks. Rafi, do you believe this occurred? <laughs> I think I heard about this. I'm not sure if it's just a joke on the internet, but I heard about this. Um, and Matt, maybe a... Am oh, I yeah. bullshitting Rafi? No, of course not. And they even came in boxes that had ventilation holes in them. Wait, what? <laughs> so that they don't... <laughs> okay, that they don't um, suffocate um, the pet rocks. Maybe a fun thing uh, on the side here as well. The googly eyes are not allowed in kindergarten in Austria anymore because they're um, like humanizing objects. And we don't want our kids to think that the pet rock might actually, not because of that, but because putting googly eyes in anything um, could make the kid think that that's actually maybe a feeling being and we don't want that. So, <laughs> so that's a that's a law or is that just like no it's not a law yet but um it's very much um my sister's currently in school to become a, a kindergartner see that's how young i a am kindergarten I teacher. siblings exactly <laughs> siblings she's not in school, school to school. become a kindergartner but uh yeah a um, kindergarten teacher yeah, yeah yeah and so she's um she is uh yeah learned that and they're drilling it into them um that they are not okay like... they don't want the kids to anthropomorphize in that exactly i, I kind of exactly. get that i kind of get that i don't think it'll work you know kids kids will ascribe uh, anima to just about anything but um uh, okay so so th this thing this stroke the animal series of games reminds me of the pet rock mixed with tamaguchis right that yeah. that that people had these virtual pets that they would interact with but at least the tamaguchi did shit you know, at least Furby could could make sounds, could do things. This pet does nothing, right? You just click on it a thousand times and get a trophy. Yeah, yeah. But then that trophy adds to your achievement level uh, on your PlayStation account or or you know Xbox account. Or I, so this I, guy I, sounds like he's scamming PlayStation more or scamming Sony more than he's scamming the users or the customers, right? Right, right, right. So but you, you, you can't yeah, get you anything for the achievements. It's just bragging right. rights. Yes, exactly. 100%. Yes. 
You have uh, on Steam, you get like a, a a virtual playing card or some shit, a, t- a stamp or something, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can change your avatar. You could, yeah, you can see how many points someone has. Like one of your friends on there. Which, if I had any friends, I might care, but I don't have any friends, so I don't, <laughs> I don't see anybody's actual achievement levels. I think I've seen Rofty's once, <laughs> but um, yeah, but but apparently to some people it is important. So for four bucks, you can get your achievement rank go going up. Um, and if you to buy the, the whole series, do what? To the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the crypto guys always say, to the moon. They're always so like... anyway, I thought it was fascinating, not, not just because of, uh, of all the stuff with the achievements and stuff like that, but the guy literally, he admitted he spent 30 minutes, used all open source stuff. He said he learned how to write the programming, uh, do the development from YouTube videos. So he's not even like a classically trained developer programmer. He just figured it out on his own published it uh and is now raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars for good his for work. him good yeah. for him <laughs> he, he he found a system that had something valuable that nobody else was currently exploiting and he he leveraged it good yeah. and and he, evidently they've been out since september of 2022 and only now is this coming to the attention of news and so forth and and yeah. i i appreciate that i i i like the innovation yeah yeah you tell that story one too often in the bar, and yeah. so now it got out. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 here's the thing: Does him getting press make him uh, sell fewer copies, or does it make him sell more copies? No I'm, such thing as bad press. Exactly. I'm betting that he's going to sell even more copies now, uh, and and be a millionaire. But probably by the time this this episode drops, I'm I might I might go just buy one just to have it just for the zot. <laughs> It's three dollars and twenty nine cents. You know. And, yeah. There you go. I don't have a PlayStation, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll trust that you uh, you will report back with uh, uh, your 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 beaver petting adventures. Well, you know, my my own dog rolled in something awful the other day, and I don't want to pet her at all. So I'll, I'll go pet a virtual dog. That'll be much better. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, very cool. Matt, I think you also had an installment of Ice I'm So Old as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. I do. And I'll try to keep it short because I know we're, we're running up on time here. Um, it's another gaming one. Um, Rofty. Uh, in 1981, in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, um, we had things called arcades where they had big machines that people would put quarters in and they would play video games until they died. Uh, it was, uh, Ben, I'm sure you remember arcades very well. I spent quite a bit of my youth in arcades. Um, but in the Pacific Northwest, in uh, Oregon in particular, a certain video game showed up uh, quietly, was around for a month, and then disappeared quietly. And it was a game called Polybius. And the game was uh, one that was very addictive, uh, but it also caused things like uh, headaches. It caused uh, epileptic seizures. uh, And in some cases, it caused uh, severe mental issues with some of the players. And so... (laughs) Ben, what are you gesturing at? (laughs) I want to make sure Rafti keeps his hands above his keyboard. Show me your hands, Rafti. Yeah, uh, yeah, Rafti's showing his hands. He is not chat GPTing this. You have no idea. Audience, you have no idea how hard it is for Rafti to do this. His (laughs) natural inclination, being his age, is to jump on the internet and look it up right away. He just can't resist. All right, sorry. Matt? All right, so uh, again, it's 1981. This video game, Polybius, shows up for a month, and then it disappears. In the 90s, um, it came to light that the Polybius game was actually a CIA operation that was being used to test out techniques to uh, brainwash uh, people who were video gamers, and for those who did especially high scores, uh, possibly be recruited for the CIA. Rafi. My question to you is, did this happen? I I mean, I think it did not. Ha- I don't know. I cannot think that this happens. But uh, the sub, the last bit you said, um, I can actually imagine this. I mean, that they're keeping track of scores and testing some stuff. Um, every Austrian has to uh, do a checkup, a military checkup when they turn 18. And we had to do stuff that looks like an arcade as well, where we had to do hand-eye coordination things and, and simulations and stuff like that. 
And I can imagine that you can tense some of that if stuff. If you scored really high, well. were you recruited to be the last starfighter? <laughs> <laughs> I have, for people who don't know, I have very bad eyesight. Um, but I was told that I could have, of course, a, a great career in the Austrian military. <laughs> uh, Rafti, don't take this to heart, but they say that to everybody. I know. I know. It's the military. <laughs> you know, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, man. It's it's Austria, you know? <laughs> that is true. That is so true. Um, yeah, so... But I don't know, like, why would it come and go for half a year? Why wouldn't they keep it all out for longer? Because it was the making people the... sick. Matt, I that never heard I of can't this. Imagine. I honestly this... don't know if it's true or not. If, you if never it's heard not, this? what's that? You, oh, okay, you, you never heard of this? I've never <laughs> heard of it. If it did happen, uh, that's that's wild, and I want to know more. If it didn't happen, props to you for coming up with a great creative story. That's really, really <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Uh, but also, like, but like, there can be. I can imagine that there are enough games, even to this day, that can cause see, uh, like seizures. Yeah, with the oh, every time you boot up the every headache. time you boot up the PlayStation, it gives you the warning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I I see that absolutely possible. And then partly that's the thing like why is the PlayStation if you said every time you boot it up then why is it still sold? So I don't know. Maybe because it's a public place but uh, it it is it sounds not believable. Like especially a half year thing. I I don't get it. Why would they develop something like that and then put it away so quickly? <laughs> All right, Matt, uh, tell us. Okay. So Polybius the uh, arcade machine has never been proven to have ever actually existed. However, it lives on an internet urban legend lore. Uh, you can search up, uh, there are various articles trying to prove or disprove whether it actually existed. Um, as far, I, I fall on the side of it never actually existed and this was all uh, made up. Uh, but I think it's a fascinating piece of lore, especially, and Ben, you stepped on exactly what I was go going to get into, which was the movie The Last Starfighter, where they had a, an arcade machine, and they were recruiting people, uh, not the CIA, but an alien race was reporting or, or was uh, uh, recording uh, human beings playing this video game to try to recruit uh, starfighters. Fan fantastic movie. Um, if you ever get a chance to see it, maybe we should do a media review. Not so much anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I really watched it with Robin. It does not hold up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just remember Grig and the uh, the rubber mask that 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 lizard man had to wear. Um, so, anyways, the movie Last Starfighter is a little bit based on this. Uh, the reason that it's, it's widely considered to be uh, not true is because there is no record of the um, uh, the arcade machine ever existing until a an article in a computer arcade uh, video game webs uh, website. I think it was uh, reported on it, but they pretty much. Um, made it sound like they made it up themselves. So no one actually truly believes that Polybius ever existed. However, it does live on in uh, the current pop culture. In fact, uh, there's a Simpsons episode where they're in an arcade and there's a Polybius machine in it. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, the band, recorded a song called Polybius. Um, it's the, and, and someone actually made a, uh, a MAME ROM uh, as... Uh, to, to, to act like a Polybius machine just based upon the descriptions that people have come up with, which again are all made up. Uh, so anyways, yeah, all I'd say it, it did not actually exist, but it doesn't, sh as both Ben and you and Rafti said, uh, it doesn't sound outside the realm of possibility <laughs> of existing. So anyways, that's my, 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 we're so old. I love Super it. Cool. I love it. That's, that's fantastic. Outstanding. Um, just as a piece of of gaming lore, I think it's neat to know, you know, whether yeah. or not it has any veracity whatsoever. Yep, yep. So, so yeah, if you ever come across anything, like I said, in The Simpsons or something like that, and, and you, if you ever see a reference to Polybius, you are now in the the group that knows <laughs> what Polybius is actually. It's a it's a it's a dog whistle to people that are in, uh, into internet lore. Super interesting. Um, do you know which Simpson episode it was? No, no, I'm I'm not a huge Simpsons fan, I, but I know that if you just search up Polybius Simpson and it's spelled P O L Y B I U S, apparently there's an, the, uh, there was an ancient Greek historian, and, and that's where the name comes from. Um, 
but uh, yeah, you, if you search it up, up the name and, and the word Simpsons, I'm sure that they'll you'll find screenshots of it and, and episodes and stuff like that. So, super anyways. interesting. I'll keep my yeah. eyes out. <laughs> the Greek, the Greek historian was born in Arcadia, <laughs> and is known for his assertion that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews with eyewitnesses. Okay, according, <laughs> according to the Wikipedia page for Polybius. There you go. <laughs> now the that, of course, the Polybius actually exist, or was he a CIA plant? <laughs> oh, Goodness. which reminds me of another topic we're going to have to we're going to have to discuss in the near future: the Mandela effect. We're we're going to have to get to that. I wanted to talk about it this week, but I had forgotten. Definitely going to add it to next week. Well, yep. thank you, Matt. You brought the the bulk of the content. Thank you, Rafti, for sharing your monograph about yep. UB soft keys that you can pet to earn achievements <laughs> and get access to your bank account. Um, really, really good stuff. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, anything else we need to update in terms of uh, what Safing's doing or Network Therapists? Uh, the only thing I wanted to throw out was uh, if you are listening to po this podcast, you may be interested in another cyber uh, podcast <laughs> called Cybermania, Cyber M-A-Y-N-I-A. Uh, with May Brooks Kempler. Uh, ben, you've been a guest on it before. I was a guest on it just recently. By the time this episode drops, it'll be a couple of weeks old. If you want to hear just me without uh, Ben interrupting constantly and um, <laughs> talking about about Ben and Rafti to some degree uh, and uh, some of the stuff that I do, uh, it's a good podcast. I was very pleased to talk to May. Um, she's a ISC2 board member. Oh, Ben's flipping me off now. <laughs> What was that for? I talked about you in good terms. <laughs> you and Rafi both. I was very complimentary to both of you. Anyway, if you want to hear this other uh, podcast, uh, after you listen to this one, uh, go listen to Cybermania uh, and uh, see what I had to say. Uh, we talked about some good stuff. You really did. You, 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 you did some great coverage. Um, good promotion for the show, too, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and May is just a hoot. She's yeah. just she's just fun to talk with and so easygoing. And I don't know about you, but I could have gone on for like two more hours. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, yeah. They're, she yeah. just she has an infectious energy. Uh, yeah. You can find the show on Spotify and other platforms as well. Yep. That's what I wanted to ask. I knew I got the YouTube link, so I saw it on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, there's yeah, video. There's a YouTube video with, with, with video. Yeah. If you want to see <laughs> what I actually look like when I'm talking. <laughs> No, nobody does. No, I, exactly. And, I, and, and in fact, I'm surprised that anybody wants to listen to me talking to <laughs> as well. But nonetheless, it's out there. So that's all I have. Well, have good, good. Um, congratulations on that, by the way. Yeah, thank you. And, and record your CPEs for uh, your certs. I don't have any more to record. I'm done with CPEs until the next period. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm tanked up. I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, for all our list. Oh, wait, Rafi, there's something looks. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. For those of you who are interested, and I'll put the link in the show notes as well. There's still a fundraiser for Jordan Roselle. Um, I'm still running a promotion for that. Several people have taken me up on it, which I am just totally moved by. Uh, Jordan has cancer for the second time. He's a very young person. He's someone I've known since he was born. If you make a contribution to his GoFundMe in your real name, and then you contact me via my email, I will give you not only the value of a contribution, but 100% more than the value of your contribution towards any wannabe a course that you want to be a member of. So you can get a course for free for half the price. Um, thank you, Rafti, for, for reminding me. Um, all right. Well, thank you both. And uh, my name is Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fita. Join us again next week for another episode of the sensuous sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rafti, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, Boy, that's a lot of letters. Or other InfoSec certifications. Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P 
www.thepowerofdiscord.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.